0: Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and today we're going to talk about Smackdown Live for March 14th, 2017. I am joined, as always, by Wrestling Inc.'s own Raj Geary and special guest returning to the show, Dennis Farrell. Later in the show, we got Court Bauer coming up to talk about Wally Mania and what's coming up at WrestleMania in a couple weeks. But first, we're going to go after Smackdown Live uh, for last night. So uh, Raj, top-level thoughts. What did you think of the show last night and the build towards Mania?
1: Um, I thought the AJ Shane stuff was pretty good um you know aj i feel like he they they could have done more for him to be angry directly at shane mm. as opposed to uh, um you know not at daniel bryan or, or why he's specifically mad at shane uh but being that what it was it, it it still was i thought it was done really well as far as the rest of the show i it, i thought it was pretty poor uh other than that and dennis how about you
2: I can't agree with them more. Uh, the burying of America Alpha continues. <laughs> they finally get TV time, and the most exciting thing during that match was a beat up Shane McMahon just staggering around backstage. They, they got to do more for American Alpha here. I think it shows how how
1: far they've fallen when you know fans are chanting Angle. And granted, they knew that Kurt Angle was at the building, but still, uh, you know they. They, they're they not into American alpha as much as they really should be.
0: Yeah. Weird that they had angle there and not doing anything on TV. Well, it
1: wasn't, you know, they, they usually don't do that when they have a hall of fame inductee, they don't have him appear on TV unless it's a, an active wrestler like Jerry Lawler or Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. So he was there doing stuff with Daniel Bryan for, for social media. That's going to be out soon.
0: I really liked at the beginning how Daniel Bryan was on the phone and they didn't specify who he was talking to, but he was like, yeah, yeah, and we got that coming up later. <laughs> yeah, and Becky versus Natalia. I thought that was a clever way to sort of tease the show. Um, but then from there, it just really uh, dragged in the non-AJ Shane stuff. Um, and, yeah, that was interesting during American Alpha versus the Usos to have, like, the Shane cam backstage with everything going on. It was uh, just a just a weird night. Um, I did highly enjoy talking smack afterwards, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So, yeah, we started with uh, AJ coming to the ring, cutting a promo, talking about he's looking for Shane. All his list of grievances, everything that he thinks bad that has happened to him pretty much since... Uh, he had the title last summer, and uh, commentary last night. JBL and Tom Phillips. No Otunga, no Moro. That was different. Um, I mean, so so we're to believe that it's true. Otunga is actually shooting some sort of film, and Moro was stuck in the snow.
1: Yeah, I mean, Moro tweeted about it the night before that he might have a tough time getting there because of the blizzard. Um, and yeah, uh, Otunga is fil- uh, filming a movie. So um, yeah, that's, that's all. That's all true. I mean. Uh, you know, I think if they were switching to a two man booth, I don't think they'd do it quite as, you know, drastically as they uh, you know, as when we go from four to two. But yeah. But yeah, that's that's all true.
2: I feel like we're using movie a little too hard here. I think we should add straight to DVD probably to this guy, <laughs> right? Well,
0: wasn't his last thing, uh one of those Adam Sandler Netflix movies with <laughs> Tishi? I mean, I think that's what it was the last time Otunga was out because he was doing a movie. That was when he came back and was like, I was talking to Rikishi on the set of a movie the other day, and people were like, what in the hell are David Otonga and Rikishi doing in a movie?
1: Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah, um, yeah. he's,
1: he's got a few movies that he's actually working on right now. But, yeah, yeah I mean, nothing, uh, nothing really big.
0: Huh. Okay. So uh, we went from that promo, um, Becky Lynch versus Natalia.
2: Can, can, can I say yeah. one thing, though, about Go the AJ? I really enjoyed him just coming out, not doing the pomp and circumstance thing, walking straight to the ring, and you could tell the crowd was a little thrown off because there wasn't a lot of crowd reaction as he just beelined it straight to the ring.
0: Yeah, Raj, what did you think of that? Of AJ? I mean, I thought, thought AJ had some valid points from his perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was kind of one of those deals where you agree with everything he's saying, so you're kind of on his side, you know, um, and he doesn't really come across as the heel it kind of reminded me of bret hart when he was first turning heel and Mm. uh, you know he would he would make a lot of valid points even he was justified with what he was saying uh but you know the fans were supposed to be against him but that wasn't really the case tonight you know fans were seemed to be on aj's side so aj you know outside of aj um like i said the show show was no good
0: Here's what I picture happening with a lot of these wrestlers. I think at some point when all of these things, you know, all of these grievances uh, and transgressions occur, they, they finally can say, you know what, I'm going to go to Vince, I'm going to lay it out. And they go in there and they lay it out to Vince like this, that. And Vince goes, you're right, that's good. That will be your promo when we actually give you the push. We'll take right. this. I think that's how it always comes about, Vince sort of deflecting when people come and just get angry with him.
1: It may, may, well, I don't think that's the case here because yeah. – Uh, you know, you, you, you look at AJ's out of character interviews and he just sounds like the nicest, you know, most happy to be here guy. Um, but, uh, again, I think there should have been more to get him that upset at Shane, uh, to justify him throwing, throwing him through a car door window. Like maybe Shane should have came out and, uh, you know, AJ demand that he, he have something at Mania. Shane come out and say, sorry, you're off this year's show. Uh, we just don't have a spot for you. And that would, you know, that could drive him to, be
2: really angry at Shane. And let's not forget a few weeks ago, it was Shane McMahon that's like, I think AJ should go, you know, <laughs> both were the, so uh, to me, there's a lot of inconsistencies here. I'm kind of with Raj here. There needed to be one more tipping point that really made AJ mad. and I just didn't see it.
0: I don't think, yeah, I don't think Shane is the, is the heel in this situation.
2: He's not uh, supposed to be. Yeah. AJ's supposed to be the
1: heel. Yeah.
0: So it's just, I, I think that's the thing. I think uh, the crowd, likes both of them that's going to make for an interesting match because yeah aj definitely had the crowd support last night um so becky versus natalia this was kind of a throwback to a match we saw 20 times last year uh raj how do you think it stacked up
1: uh it it, it was there you know i I found myself just kind of tuning out you know yeah uh so yeah it was it was there I, i mean i like i like both of them i think they could really go but um When you have a match that means nothing and you've seen it a bunch of times, it's hard to get into it.
2: Yeah. Dennis? It was there. It didn't progress any of the storylines. This coast of Mania, I feel like every moment on live TV should be building towards something. And there were way too many just throwaway matches on this this SmackDown that really left me going, why did I just spend two hours watching this, guys? Well,
0: it's because they had the big production storyline going on. I mean, they really hung the show on that backstage beatdown.
2: And
1: then the problem is when they do these multi-person matches at WrestleMania, like when they do with the intercontinental title, uh, the last couple of years, their matches leading into mania are just those guys in that match, just trading wins. And yeah. so that's what you're going to see with the women's, you know, matches. It's just them all trading wins, uh, until they have their match at WrestleMania.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really just, uh, it, it feels to me like we're just on rails at this point. I mean, with everything that's happening, it's all coming together. This is, uh, everything that we've heard rumored for weeks is just now slowly being peeled back to reveal like, Oh, Hey, that thing we heard about, it's actually happening. Uh, after the match, uh, Carmella Carmela did uh, beat down Natalia and Becky there with, why was James Ellsworth holding his neck during that?
1: Did he still hurt from Cena? I don't yeah, know. I think selling okay. last week's match. Just, no. just
0: selling um okay so yeah that was uh your big surprise moment last night the two of them popping out then we uh saw aj backstage waiting for shane again we you'd think someone would have given shane a heads up right we have the camera kind of aj and it might be like oh hey shane someone might call me like by the way aj is looking for you he's really pissed off be careful when you arrive at the building
1: right yeah exactly uh yeah totally i thought the same thing like
2: they they should have brought in more security for shane saying like hey yeah. AJ's upset You know, you know who I really blame is the cameraman. The cameraman sitting there seeing it all. You don't think he could be holding the camera going over here. Look over here. I mean, (laughs) blame the camera guy. Really? Yeah, it's I think
0: I don't know. Maybe it's a sign of your leadership. If you're the boss and someone attacks you and is beating you down and none of the other employees make an effort to come to your defense, you might want to question your management style at that point. You know, not a single person. He's like, oh, hey, let's tear him off.
2: Um, How many times do we have to listen to Fifth Finley yell, yo, call <laughs> the paramedics. Like, we got it the first eight times, buddy.
0: Oh, man. Okay, so we'll, we'll go over that even further in depth uh, in a few moments. But uh, first, uh, Maurice and The Miz came out, gave their list of grievances, setting up their WrestleMania match against John Cena and Nikki Bella. So... Dennis, what did you think of this in uh, contrast to what we saw last week with what the Miz did on Talking Smack? How do you think this played out as far as uh, just keeping the momentum going for this match?
2: It's tough because I wasn't a fan of the match to begin with. So it, it's just keeping my head above float. I'm a big Miz fan. I, I think Maurice by far was great on the mic. And it seems like they're really trying to push this, this scene of Nikki loving each other a little too much on us. Like when they flash back to him and then, you know, they're all spinning each other around in the ring, I'm like, that seems like something that they do to make me believe that they really love each other or that they're really together. And I get that they are, but it just seems like they're really trying to push that fact that, Hey, these two are an item, even though he didn't come to her defense when she was getting down with the still beaten down with the still pipe. And even though we haven't seen or heard any mention on live TV about these two as a couple. Now, all of a sudden it's being forced upon me. You know, Ms. and Maurice are kind of a natural couple. Yeah, I think this feud is is great when it's just the Miz talking.
1: I thought once you had Maurice and Nikki Bella talking and, and that that backstory, it just seemed like the crowd didn't care. I didn't care. And I know they use the same storyline on Total Divas, but it just it just, it just died as soon as uh, Maurice and Nikki Bella started going back and forth.
0: Well, you know, it was I complicated. Think- it was a complicated backstory Maurice was trying to give there. Normally, these feuds are built on, again, we've said it before, like, you think you're the best, I'm the best. You're a fake, you're a phony. But Maurice was like, back when they went to do the first season of Total Divas, they approached me, they approached her. She came to me as my best friend and said, no, wait, let's hold out for more money. It was much more complicated with Maurice and her accent trying to sell it to an arena. Than a lot of these feuds
1: yeah and I like when you have a backstory as opposed to just throwing two people out there for no reason but it shouldn't have been all explained right off you know right in one segment you yeah. could have done uh, you could have done like a sit-down where you kind of tell the backstory um, or you know you know some other way than going out and cutting a long promo uh, that the people really didn't care about
2: you know, the, the, the Miz and Cena are just enough by themselves to really push the storyline. And then you kind of have the women get involved. I could have bought that. They don't need to have their own backstory to progress this feud. I, I think they're pushing that too much onto us. The, the Miz and Cena, you know, the Miz, Cena's holding me down, Cena's this guy. That's enough in itself. Let's build more on that. The Miz did have a funny line in this. What was,
1: there was something where... Um... He's like, you can't, you can't cut this promo off, or you can't tell us when to go off the air, or who do you think you are, John Cena? Or it's something like that. Yeah, uh, make matches. That was it. Oh, yeah. You can't make matches. Who do you think <laughs> you are, John Cena? So, you know, Miz is the MVP of this feud. Uh, John Cena's just kind of been there. Um, and uh, yeah, Maurice and Nikki. Maurice, you know, her delivery on everything was good. It just was way too long. It was too much to explain, and it's you know, something the crowd didn't care about.
0: Yeah, I think they need to protect Maurice with these promos more and let her do it on Talking Smack, let her do it backstage because, I mean, she she held her her own very well in front of the crowd, but I think that you could tell the crowd was starting to turn until she dropped bitch at the end and everyone was like, whoa, we love swearing.
1: Yeah, you that's know? how on SmackDown, every woman's feud, that's how you know when yeah. it's getting heated.
0: Uh, but the, the star of that segment, though, I think was Daniel Bryan when he came out at the end and talked about how much he wants to punch Miz in the face and just listed off his grievances. And then made the match for Mania. I thought that was a great uh, button punchline to the whole thing.
2: Right. I agree. Three minutes too late. I mean, (laughs) the the women really drug that down. And then when they brought Daniel Bryan out, I had to kind of snap back in and go, oh, I'm interested again. So I felt like if they could have brought him out just a a minute, two minutes, three minutes earlier, I'd have been like, whoa, this is cool.
0: Yeah. So uh, we went from that to mickey james versus alexa bliss and uh yeah tennis
1: thoughts
2: yeah Uh, once again see my recent comments for the first women's match of the night it was just there uh i kind of watched it with my wife and she made a couple funny comments i won't repeat on this podcast about mickey james and we giggled and waited for the next match
1: (laughs) rosh You know, so Alexa, you know, brings Mickey back. They're aligned for a while. And then their first match is just this throwaway match on SmackDown. Felt like there should have been, if you're going to do their first matchup, have it build more because this just felt like complete filler when there was enough backstory that it shouldn't have been. But yeah, it was just, you know, it was back to the women just trading wins.
0: Yeah, yeah, Mickey won. So, I mean, it's really setting it up. I think uh, the possibility that it's a championship is anyone's for the taking. And- I'm
1: guessing Alexa keeps getting beat until WrestleMania and, and walks out as champ. Yeah. It's Unless Naomi's right. able to come back.
0: Yeah. So backstage, again, AJ waiting backstage for Shane. Renee Young interviews AJ while he's waiting backstage for Shane. No one thinks to give Shane a heads up. Uh, car pulls in. Shane just gets attacked, thrown through a car window. Uh, the beatdown went on for a good two or three minutes uh, before Fit Finley came came in and finally broke it up. AJ comes back, gets in another shot. And uh, yeah, this really sets it all up with uh, Daniel Bryan firing AJ afterwards. But so, so let's talk about the beatdown itself. Um, Raj, what did you, what'd you make of the segment? How did you think it, it was pulled off?
1: I thought it was really well done. I, you know, uh, and not to belabor the point, I still think there should have been uh, more provocation for AJ to be that upset. But I thought it was really well done. Uh, the car window thing was a nice touch. Uh, I didn't like that Shane was, you know, up and standing and moving around so soon after, but it, it, you know, it was fine. He, I mean, he was acting pretty concussed and and beaten down backstage. So I thought this was the the best thing on the show. Really, the only I can't think of anything else. I thought this was the only good thing on the show.
0: Yeah, Dennis,
2: I I agree. You know the the only nitpicky complaint I have was that blood flow seemed a lot more uh, urgent when they came back from the cut <laughs> from the was it commercial or, or another match when they came back all of a sudden that thing was like flowing and i thought man you know maybe a little nitpicky there i i was okay with just that little bit of blood the first few minutes, first few seconds after he went through i thought all right he's going to come back but the beating itself was real old school like i really felt like i was watching Attitude Era Wrestling again. I I had a smile on my face. It was a great throwback segment. You know, you were waiting for Stone Cold to come running in and throw some cement in someone's. It was was great. I thought this was a great throwback. I enjoyed it. I will say some of our commenters
0: on the YouTube chat are saying this, and I agree. I thought the camera inside the car part.
2: Well, yeah, uh, my wife was like, who has a camera inside their car for no reason? And it was like the third car in line, so it didn't really belong to anybody either.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that was the moment that took me out of it a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah, I Uh, agree
0: with that. But I think uh, other than that, it was produced well. Although they did the same thing. How many times did they reshow it on SmackDown throughout the night? And then they showed the whole thing again in its entirety on Talking Smack. I mean, you could tell WWE was very proud of this. They wanted to make sure people saw it. But uh, I thought they—they less is more in these cases, and I think the WWE has a tendency to replay things maybe two or three times too many sometimes.
1: But I mean, yeah, it was well done, and it's uh, yeah. obviously they think this is probably in a lot of ways this might be the most important SmackDown match. I think people care about this more than um, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton, and and, and yeah. more than the Miz and John Cena again. I mean the Miz and Maurice against John Cena and Nikki Bella, so you know yeah um this is kind of their main event
0: so daniel bryan fired aj which uh was an interesting wrinkle in the whole thing odd for him also he keeps saying like i think he's the best wrestler in the company but i'm getting rid of him it's like you know
1: uh well i bet my guess is that shane is gonna say if you want your job back you gotta beat me you know like it's not a uh But then again, they still have a bunch of live events, so they'll have to explain that, which, I mean, they could say he's contractually obligated to those. But uh, my guess is that it it leads to a stip at WrestleMania. Yeah. As opposed Um, to just Shane saying, all right, I'm bringing you back, you know, a week later.
0: So interesting match following all that, that they uh, followed with was Mojo Rawley versus Dolph Ziggler. Um, I I thought this could have actually been better on a different night uh mojo won by count out (laughs) but i can't say with the straight face what do you guys think of the match i mean it was just really there right meant to be there
1: it's like trying to push what a stipulation of a battle royal is and i think anyone that's been watching wrestling you know knows that you win by throwing the person over the top so this i mean this just sucked
2: Yeah. yeah I, I didn't really need to hear JBL tell me eight times. He'd have been eliminated three times already. Like, <laughs> we did it. We understand. It's like when they over-explain the triple
1: threat match, how the champion doesn't have to get pinned to lose, and they just do that over and over. we he's like, yes, we get it. Dear wrestling yeah. fan. It rarely happens, too. When they, but anyway.
0: Yeah. Okay, so Randy came out, gave his uh, more of his explanation of why he burned down. Again yeah I just feel like... okay so laid out the plan again of what he was doing with bray white the whole time uh burning down the shack burning sister abigail but then aha bray appears sister abigail was not her remains were not burned or they were but bray's gonna baptize himself with her ashes that was a interesting visual we got there um further setting up the match for mania I mean what did you think garage of the storytelling here and how this this builds the match
1: i just find this stuff so hokey i think part of it is randy orton i think his acting is just terrible um you know people get on my case about my criticism of randy orton and you know when i called out last week like when was the last time randy orton had a great match and people were going back years and um i thought his promo It just sounds like he's reading uh reading a script for an improv class or you know like an acting class oh i thought i thought it sucked i thought the Wyatt stuff is just silly um I, you know i didn't like the burning down of the compound i thought that was too hokey for me so you know i like storylines in wrestling
2: but i like when they're believable <clears throat> yeah dennis <laughs> bray wyatt is saving this whole feud for me uh, I After they burnt down the compound, I was really afraid that they would bring Bray back and make him look weak and and be beleaguered and just you know oh you know now he's now he's there for the taking. They really bounced back and made me believe that Bray you made Bray stronger. Bray delivered a great promo which made me go all right. This didn't in Bray it, it it made him stronger. He used you know tragedy to make what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but. I think Raj is right. You you know, Randy, Bray, I, you know, (laughs) I'm going to screw you. And it's that slow methodical delivery. He's, he's not playing the Randy Orton character that he has played the, the what, 10, 11 years that we've seen him. I don't know what character we're watching or what, you know, evolve of Randy Orton that this is, but I don't like it. I don't know if this is a hill or a face or what it is, but I, I, I don't like this Randy Orton. This this Randy Orton that I'm watching is totally killing this. This could be a great setup, but Randy Orton's acting abilities is you know without Tonga right now and straight to DVD.
0: Yeah, this was no twelve rounds too. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but no, I think uh, I don't know. I expected something a little different. I mean, this whole feud right has just been sort of these these vague platitudes and motivations they've each been repeating again and again. I would have liked to see something new. You know, I mean, I think we joked about it last week, but it's like with Sister Abigail's remains uh, gone. I mean, is Bray going to come out looking like his dad, like IRS and Clark Kent mode that, oh, you know, he's not possessed (laughs) anymore. Something, anything, something different. But instead, this was just like on a loop of the same stuff they spout.
1: Right. And Veggie Gamer in our in the YouTube comments is pointing out that Randy Orton is saying he's Jake the Snake Roberts. And that is totally what I thought is he's like trying to copy Jake and just cannot do it. No. You know, the slow, methodical promos, but, you know, Jake did those and he was just awesome at them. And
2: Randy, not so much. I'll say this I like the fact that they toned down the production this week uh, on that video, that it was more raw, dirty, kind of dark. It wasn't what we saw when Bray burnt down the compound, overproduced, weird music. Uh, That's how that first video should have been.
0: It's really tough to sell a dude rubbing himself with dirt just Oliver's face you yeah. know just yeah. saying that's a tough mode so uh let's uh wrap up SmackDown just talk quickly American Alpha versus the Usos getting buried by uh the backstage cam that was happening the whole time uh I mean this match went on a long long time and I think it was just so they could keep building up what Shane was going to do in coming out I actually thought you know I-, I would like to see a match like this get some proper attention um and build up but uh, the real punchline to this was just Shane coming out and saying, you know, AJ wants a match at WrestleMania. Now he's got one against him. So we got that. And from there, we went to talking smack. I mean, what, what'd you think about ending that note? Essentially giving this main event as, I mean, literally the main event as filler for this button that Shane came and put out on the episode, Rush?
1: I, I guess I'm fine with it because you don't want to have an important match and then they're, you know, keep cutting away from it uh, for it. But. I'd rather they did something else because you know American Alpha has been you know working the dark match or you know uh, main event or whatever for the last couple of weeks. So yeah, um, yeah, it's just sad to see what's happened to American Alpha. Um, I didn't you know the Usos beating them it keeps it going. I don't think they should have beaten the Us- Usos here. Um, but yeah, it uh, it's it's, un- it's unfortunate. I mean they were the they were one of the people at NXT that fans were really excited about to get on the main roster.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Vince is getting his revenge uh, on, on the whole thing. I was quickly talking spec. Did you guys watch it last night?
2: I did, not this week. I did, yeah. Uh,
0: I thought the women, when all the women showed up, I thought that was by far the highlight
2: oh, of the entire thing. Jeez. I thought it was so predictable. Like they're taking
1: their cue lines to come out yeah, next.
0: It was good timing. I mean, like just, okay. From remove it from wrestling for a second. Like that was an example, I think of them doing comedy well and how they kept doing with the one up cycle and the back and forth and the trading uh, of barbs. I mean, I thought it was very entertaining. Um, I'm thinking about it now. I mean, aside from making the match of mania, confirming it, what else even happened on talking smack last night?
1: Gosh, who else was on, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan talked about Kurt angle being there. They oh, did yes, something right. for, for, uh, Yes, for social uh, media,
0: made a made a very off color joke about uh James Ellsworth and and the Bailey buddies. Uh, if, if you have read between the lines on it, wow. I can't believe Daniel keeps getting away with that every week. No one's like, dude, just cool it with talking about you know Ellsworth's endowment. Um, <laughs> but no, I thought talking back, it was it was be- talking back last night with uh was more entertaining than most of SmackDown was.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it usually is. I, I mean, I, I take that
2: back. SmackDown's you, you know, usually. A lot better, but um, yeah. can I ask you this before I run? I got to get going here in a second, guys. But yeah. it, could another couple of these SmackDowns really derail you know, their con- contribution? And not, it's going to be there for WrestleMania, but could it really kill how we feel about WrestleMania going forward? And then SmackDown afterwards. I mean, SmackDown has been the MVP of the WWE right now basically the a show and it just seems like for whatever reason whatever role they were on hit a wall and this could be bad news for smackdown going forward
0: yeah i think it's because they're trying now with the brand split to build up all of these stories towards mania so they have this very clear destination endpoint and they can't divert from it too much and so i feel like with ron smackdown for the next couple weeks we're gonna see the same thing where it's just a lot of filler in between their temples
1: you know yeah. Someone bringing up how Daniel Bryan brought up Donald Trump and how he wins arguments. Oh, yeah. You know, you, th- you think Vince probably wouldn't be too happy with that. All right. But, um, well, well, thanks again, Dennis. Thanks for joining us this yeah, week. Man. And we'll
2: see, we'll see you back here again. I'll be here when you need me. Thanks guys. All right. Take care, man.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, what's coming up for, for mania. we're going to have court Bauer joining us in a moment. So Raj, uh, what's court going to be talking about?
1: Uh, well, Wally mania three, uh, it's the third year that they've done it. Uh, this is. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of like a kickoff to wrestlemania party really um uh, there's usually tons of wrestlers there i i, I went the last couple of years and it's it's a, it's a blast you know you have Wale spinning you got tons of tons of guys i mean last year scott hall was there uh ray mysterio jim ross uh kevin sullivan conan uh samoa joe I've, i mean it's just it's it's just a, a huge list i think actually samoa joe was the year before but um last year with biggie was there um so yeah it's a ton of fun um so yeah definitely you got to check it out it's 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 a fun way to to start off the weekend um real quick did you did you get to see the uh nxt uk poster that no no i
0: didn't yet um is that that where uh, the buzz is coming right now about what's up with shinsuke
1: yeah yeah So uh, Triple H tweeted a poster for the uh, so NXT will be at the download festival in the UK again this year. Uh, They were there last year. And yeah, front and center is you got Bobby Roode. You got Asuka, uh, you know, Sanity, uh, some some other guys with no Shinsuke Nakamura. So Hmm. it's definitely gotten people talking like uh, main roster debut is coming up.
0: Interesting. Well, we shall see. I mean, if any time, right? The night after uh, Mania. Hey, before a uh, court gets here, let's uh, take a moment and thank the sponsor of this episode, DDPY. You have heard us talk about DDP Yoga and the amazing thing it's done for people's health, for people's bodies. Guys like Chris Foley, or pardon me, Chris Jericho, Mick Foley, AJ Styles, Goldust, and other WWE superstars who love using DDPY. For a limited time, DDP is having a Hall of Fame sale where you can get DDPY DVDs for thirty percent off, and that includes three months of full access to the DDP Yoga Now app, or for digital only. You can get the DDP Yoga Now app for 30% off. You can also buy a max or Combo a Pack at 30% off and get 50% off the second one. This offer expires on April 1st when DDP goes into the Hall of Fame. Sign up now at ddpyoga.com wrestling inc. That's ddpyoga.com wrestling inc to take advantage of the special offer. And we congratulate Diamond Dallas Page for being part of the 2017 WWE Hall of Fame class. It's going to be great. Um, God, Shinsuke on the main roster. I, I'm so excited for that, but also very nervous about what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I think joining us is Court. Court, can you hear us? I think you're on mute right now. <clears throat> hey, guys. What's going on? Hey, Corey. How you doing? Not bad. You guys
3: ready for WrestleMania in two weeks? Ready as ever. Man, <laughs> it, it's
1: weird when you say two weeks. I'm like, dang, that's really coming up soon.
3: It's the promoter of me, you know. You, you have this internal clock. When's your event? You know, for me, it's 15 days for WrestleMania, and then a few more days for WrestleMania on April 2nd. But this is the crunch period and the uh, road to WrestleMania and all things in Orlando. And uh, what are you guys thinking of the card, the main event?
1: You know what? I actually think this year's WrestleMania is a lot stronger than last year's. I know, I know a lot of people hate the the amount of part timers, and I, I think that's a very valid argument that that occupy the top matches, but. As far as matches that are interesting, at least on some level, I think it's way more interesting than, than last year. I thought last year's card was kind of a dud.
3: Yeah, it's interesting where they booked Brock Lesnar in this thing compared to last year Last year against Dean Ambrose. and To me, it's kind of shocking to see how Dean Ambrose uh, and his stock has kind of slid since, since last year's WrestleMania, where he was being positioned as the top guy with the championship, and now he seems to have fallen a few paces down to uh, the Intercontinental Champion, but really not a focus for this year's WrestleMania. And, you know, I kind of can track it back to this one big moment where I think there was a light bulb moment for WWE, and it's during that Steve Austin podcast, and Steve Austin had some constructive criticism for him. And I think everyone in the back, the light bulb went off, and they were like, yeah, that's true. And since then, I don't think he's upped his game.
1: Yeah. Do you think there is any heat on Steve for that as well? Cause he hasn't done any podcast since then, you know, with WWE, mm. I mean, he's had WWE stars on his. No, but... no, no, no,
3: it, it, no, the, no heat on Steve over that. Um, I think that was just to the, I think that was the last one he was contractually obligated to do.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think from a business point, it makes sense, right? I mean, why does WWE want to keep promoting all the stuff that podcast one owns? when they could be working on their own stuff for the network.
1: Well, no, not that. Network. I mean, there the, was, the, Austin's done other podcasts with WWE yeah, stars. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, They're know. on good terms. They're on, they're on good terms. There's no, there's no, there was no weirdness from that. But it was an
3: aha moment for the back, where I think a lot of people in the office when talking to them they were like, yeah, you know, Steve kind of hit it about Dean Ambrose, you know, and he feels like if you watched him, has he really, has he regressed? Has he pushed forward? Is it kind of like his offense kind of a cliche now? To me, it is, and I think he's really talented, and I haven't seen him evolve as a talent. Frankly, the only guy of the shield I've seen really up his game has been Seth Rollins, and he's been injured, but you can see he's constantly trying to reimagine himself. His offense is always unique. Uh, you never say a Seth Rollins match is cliche, and you know you can see that rebound spot and close line like you do with Dean Ambrose. But um, and I'm not knocking Dean Ambrose. I love the guy. I just wish he was in a better spot, but I think he kind of has himself to blame this year.
1: Yeah, I know when he was WWE champion, and even right after he lost it and was at the top, a lot of the the older generation I talked to, the one guy that they'd criticize the most um, was Dean Ambrose. They wouldn't criticize Kevin Owens because uh, you know they would talk about Ambrose's look and how he presented himself as champion, but they wouldn't say that about Owens, and they just they just did not like how Ambrose was performing as champ and and the way he carried himself and. He just, doesn't, uh, he just wasn't presenting himself as a top guy. And I wonder how much of that has to do with the script and environment of WWE and where, where, what they see his character as being as opposed to where he could take it if uh, the handcuffs were off a little bit.
3: Yeah, but it's also, a, you reach a certain point where you can have a two-way conversation. you know. And when you become world champion, you have that, that opportunity to do so. You look at CM Punk, uh, he pushed back. Uh, and, and you ha- that's your privilege when you get to that point. Yeah. Vince values you, but he also expects you to continue to push forward. And and he doesn't want a guy that's kind of uh, in neutral. And, and I, I think that you kind of saw that with Dean Everest through the end of 2016 and in 2017. And nothing says that more than how you're slotted at WrestleMania. You kind of know your worth to Vince McMahon based on how you're slotted. And that, that can either create some... Pushback if you want to go to them and say hey I'm 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 really not even factored into this what the hell or you can you know just go long roll with the punches and then it's a, it's like you're in quicksand if you do that
1: right yeah it's kind of interesting with uh, the SummerSlam you know SmackDown main event was Dean Ambrose uh, versus Dolph Ziggler for the WWE Championship <laughs> and now you got Ziggler in the Battle Royal Ambrose if he does face Baron Corbin for the Intercontinental Title if they do announce it that's most likely going to be on the kickoff show so it's a It's a big, big fall down the card.
3: Yeah. It's a fall from grace. And uh, sometimes you got, you got to get there and show it in the ring, but also be right outside Vince's door, knocking on his door and pitching new ideas and explaining what you want to do to up your game. If, if he doesn't see you that you want it. And he said it on the Steve Austin podcast to, to plug the WWE network show again, but you know, he's waiting for guys to grab that brass ring and, i think for some guys they are kind of mystified how do you do that and you just got to you got to show in a lot of different ways to vets and john cena to me is the best example of that the guy is just give me more to do give me more to do and i'm constantly in his work ethic is exceptional
1: now court when you were booking you know uh, when you were a producer with wwe mm-hmm. um and it was wrestlemania time obviously a lot of people can't get on the card what what is uh, the reaction backstage as far as people worrying about if they're going to get a slot on WrestleMania? Do 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 people try to uh, come up with ways that they could be on the card, or do they just kind of sit and wait to see uh, where they're placed, if or if they're placed?
3: Oh man, I'll tell you, Kurt Angle, who's going to the Hall of Fame, of course, this year. Now he was uh, in a position at one WrestleMania where you know he wanted. A good long run with a belt, and he was telling anyone and everyone, like he was running for office, that trust me, I will. I, let me run with this belt. I want to be your guy. I want to be your guy. I mean, he was politicking, but he really believed he was the right person for business for WWE for the the SmackDown brand at the time to be the guy. And so, I mean, he was very intense and very focused on being. Not just in the main event for that WrestleMania, but coming out of that WrestleMania as champion because he, he saw it as such a significant thing. Uh, and that passion really resonates with the office. It really resonates with the man family. Um, and there are some guys that are a little bit more laid back. Um, and they can find themselves with success, too. But when it comes to the ring, you can't be laid back. you got to bring it. There there are always guys that are going to be pushing for a better slot, and there's going to be guys that have the boo-boo face when they don't have that spot, and there's going to be guys that are motivated, and maybe have an undercard match, and they're going to shove it up the the, you know the office's ass and give them a good match, like a really star-stealing or show-stealing match. That's that happens too. It's how you convert that negative into a positive. That sounds cheesy, but it's it's really a lot of that. that, That's what it comes down to a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, and and when you were there uh, working, you know. Would uh, Is it creative pitching uh, ideas for matches to Vince or Vince telling creative, this is where we're going, work on getting there? I worked up a
3: little bit.
1: Oh, sorry. I was saying uh, how much of it, uh, how much of the WrestleMania card when you were there was creative pitching ideas for matches to Vince? And how much of it was Vince uh, telling the creative team, this is what we're gonna do and uh, get us there?
3: Sometimes Vince will have his, his match locked, and in, in, in one of those examples was you know, a special trash with Donald Trump. He didn't know exactly how we were going to get there, and that's where he opened up the floor to suggestions. Uh, sometimes it's, you, you get pitched an idea, or Vince will get pitched an idea from talent, and it's a really compelling idea, and they're on board, and sometimes Vince will go in that direction. And other times it's a collaborative thing. It's really kind of a, a mashup of all of the above that I just mentioned.
1: Awesome. So me and Glenn, before you came on, we were talking about Wally mania. Uh, you know, I I've been there the last couple of years. It's just, a, it's a blast, a uh, really fun way to kick off WrestleMania week. Um, and, and, and especially if you're an adult, you know, if you're of age, this is the perfect way, you know, you got Wally spinning the partying tons of wrestlers there. I think last year, uh, I saw Alberto Del Rio, Mark Henry, Chris Jericho, um, Biggie Biggie yeah Noel. Full. Fo- I, I I Biggie was leaving when I got in he actually took my uh took my Uber <laughs> but, uh,
3: but and so actually freestyled on the mic with Wale on stage later on so you know it's a it is seriously it's like the scene out of Star Wars it's the Mos Eisley cantina where it's like everyone from around the wrestling universe kind of converges for a little bit and uh, the night starts off with a meet and greet And uh, this year it's going to be the stars from New Japan, Ricochet and Will Ospreay, who are just killing it in their junior heavyweight division. And they're also sending us the Bullet Clubs, Tama and Tangaloa, Loa, Mm. former two-time IWGP tag team champions. And then George Carroll, who's overseeing the U.S. expansion, will be in the house. And we're going to do, after the meet and greet, around 9 o'clock, you can, for GA tickets, just $15, join us for the live podcast part and the after-party and live performance. But the live podcast will go about two hours, and during that we're going to have a panel. Dave Meltzer will be on that panel. Jim Ross will be on that panel. I'll be on that panel. New Japan guys will be on that panel. Tons of random run-ins probably like in Dallas and in San Jose where we had guys like Samoa Joe pop up and uh, Scott Hall. It was crazy. Um, We'll be talking this time about New Japan's expansion into the United States. We'll have some exclusive news on that. And then when you start that almost Wally Rumble style, uh, anyone can show up and chime in on the podcast. You just never know who's going to pop in and say whatever. Uh, I remember Biggie was pretty funny, and he said, uh, "I'm not going to say anything too controversial because I don't want to get fired before (laughs) WrestleMania." Before WrestleMania, he pops the room, Uh, and then we'll do a fan Q and A with everyone on stage. So whoever's there on stage, you know, you have an opportunity to ask some crazy random people from Japan to maybe even WWE. You never know. Uh, a question and it's a really really fun environment and after that then Jamie Beans yeah. is going to be our DJ for the after parts of the Vegas style after party and then Wale will perform and then you just see wrestlers hanging if you've ever heard about wrestlers hanging in a nightclub or bar in the stories that's kind of how this is it's a lot of fun and we just put a limited amount of meet and greet tickets on sale at mlw.com we have just a handful it's going to sell out if you want to get a ticket, do the meet-and-greet thing. It starts a little bit before uh, the live podcast at 6.30. The event's on uh, Thursday, March 30th. Get those tickets at MLW.com or on Eventbrite. and uh, It should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. It's at Tier Nightclub right downtown in Orlando. Super convenient. It's like two blocks from the Amway Center. and uh, It's a great kick
1: and last year, uh, actually, I think the last couple of years, it sold out pretty fast. So if don't, yep. don't wait to get your tickets. Jump in and get them now. Yeah, this is our biggest nightclub
3: we've run. We keep getting bigger and bigger. This year, it's like three times the size of Dallas. So, wow. you know, it, it's, we, and we sold out our meet and tickets in the first two hours. They went on sale in November. And then just uh, yesterday, we, we kind of quietly low-key announced that we were going to be putting tickets on sale. So they're on sale right now. Just a handful of extra meet and greet tickets, so grab them. Uh, you don't want to miss meet and greet. You get to get an autograph. You get to take a picture with the guys, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. And then you get uh, – actually, you'll have seats for uh, the live podcast. GA, you never know what's going to be available. So it's another
1: luxury getting that, that ticket. Awesome and and like I said, it was just, it's it's a blast. I, I really urge everyone to check it out. I'm definitely I haven't decided if I'm going to Orlando this year just because the last couple of years have been so crazy uh, regarding maintaining the site while being there for WrestleMania. But uh, I'll definitely be at at Wally Mania three if I'm there. Um, I did want to ask you, you you know, MLW Radio is working with uh, New Japan, to, you know, to you know presenting this as far as mm-hmm. you know the New Japan stars being there and as someone that has followed New Japan for so long what are your thoughts on Shinsuke Nakamura being in NXT for a year chances are he'll probably be moving the main roster shortly if not the night after wrestlemania shortly after that mm-hmm. um but a guy like Shinsuke Nakamura who's who's you know been working classic matches forever um at his age to keep him in NXT for a year it, it's
3: it's a It's a conversation of uh, serving two masters because I would have preferred he would have been instantly called up like AJ Styles was. And quickly, they went from not giving him the mic to giving him the title for a good run with John Cena. Nakamura would have knocked it out of the park as well. But they're also trying to balance these different brands, and they needed someone on NXT to uh, headline. And so Shinsuke Nakamura fell into that role. Um, if you look at NXT promotional material for, say, June of 2017 for the UK tour that's come up, I did not see his face on the poster that just went out. Uh, you see Eric Young. You see Bobby Roode. You see uh, a lot of guys, but you don't see Shinsuke Nakamura, which tells me he's coming up. And it's probably happening before the draft, which I would think would be in June or July of this year. And uh, that it's long overdue, but... Uh, it, the clock is ticking. He's 36, and he has not just a bump card that's like anyone else. He has a bump card that includes MMA fights and a long career in New Japan. So it's like, let, let's get on with it. And he's, a, he's already done great business in terms of merchandise sales. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy that transcends. He has incredible charisma. It's, it's a no-brainer, but again, I think it just comes down to they were moving talent around, and he was just slotted for that. That was his fate for 2016.
1: Um, guys, if you guys have questions for Court, feel free to leave them uh, in the live chat or on our uh, on the in the comment section. Uh, so you were there, you were there for that WrestleMania with Donald Trump, right? I was. So who approached uh, Donald Trump about taking the stunner and having beer poured on him?
3: You know, Vince basically was the conduit for all things Trump, uh, and once you were there in the trenches, and there's something going on on TV and. Uh, it was pretty straightforward, but, you know, by the numbers, nothing. But Vince and Donald have a relationship that goes back, you know, uh, 35 years at least. And so uh, they had, uh, they got along great. And so, and, and Donald was game for anything. It was surprising to see that he was willing to even do the goose on his hair and stuff. It was, uh, it was surreal going through it. And, you know, it's More surreal than what happened in November, uh, and now we have a WWE Hall of Famer in the White House,
0: yeah.
1: Well, you kind of have two now, Linda McMahon as well,
3: <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy when you see some of those photos that come out, and uh, this is something I think that Vince has long wanted, and uh, you know, it's kind of like the Godfather, you know, it's 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 that 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 drive to go legit and that's pretty legit when you're in the uh, cabinet for any administration uh, as part of the presidency
1: yeah it, it's pretty wild there was that that photo that was tweeted out with the McMahon's at the White House with Trump and you know and you know Shane and Triple H mm-hmm. and their kids and it was pointed out that stone cold has stunned like 60% of the people in that photo <laughs> it was like the only adult that wasn't was Shane McMahon's wife <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love wrestling stats, especially when they're true. Yeah. Um, that, so, as, as far as this year's WrestleMania, is there a match you're really most looking forward to?
3: Um, this year, I'm looking forward to see what they do with Goldberg and, and Brock Lesnar because I was there in the house for 20, and the most over guy in that match was Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was a really weird moment because the fans knew. But these guys were checking out, one because his contract was over and it wasn't the most spectacular run, uh, and the other had decided he was he was checking out on wrestling. So it was a weird lame duck match. This year, you kind of know Bill Goldberg's probably not sticking around too much longer. But Brock is your guy, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they tell that story because, to me, there's still a great babyface run of Brock Lesnar. I think that match uh, will do a lot to add to the credibility of this new title that's got off on a rocky start with the Universal Championship. And after uh, crowning a new champion at SummerSlam, another tie into our conversation at SummerSlam, uh, you know, 24 hours later, the title's
0: vacated.
1: And that's tough. Right. And uh, where do you think they should go with Brock after, after Mania, assuming he wins the title?
0: You know, I'd love
3: to see Roman Reigns as a heel. I really would. I don't know if they'll ever do it, but if there was a time and and having him established as part of maybe Triple H's faction that seems to be slowly kind of being cobbled together where you have Hunter, you have Kevin Owens, perhaps, uh, Samoa Joe, and then you have uh, something like Roman Reigns add to that. That's a very compelling heel group that really solidifies it. And then if they're going against Maybe Braun Strowman, who I could see being a big babyface for the company in 2017 beyond, and Brock Lesnar is part time. You kind of need a faction to go against these monsters because it just adds more depth and layers to what you can do on Three Hours of Raw. But also, there's constantly another hurdle and another stepping stone to get to the evil boss at the end of the video game, which I think they could. Do a very good job with Hunter there, and whoever's the guy at the end of that—that's you know toss up. There's that's a pretty loaded regime if they were to do something like that. Uh, but that's how I'd probably book it.
1: And as far as Nakamura to the main roster, w- which brand do you think could use him more? Um, well, if if you
3: look at, at at Raw, I would love to see him on SmackDown just in terms of pure matchups. But If you look at Raw, they really are going to need a shot in the arm. They're losing Chris Jericho probably before May. They're losing. Goldberg at some point in April, May, at the latest, probably. It could be I mean, I understand his contract is up in, at WrestleMania. But mm-hmm. who's to say they, they don't tack on with, you know three matches or three weeks? Who knows? But let's say they're losing Goldberg, Jericho, uh, in that window. That's that's a big that's a big one. Uh, you're getting Finn Balor. Um and should say, and more coming back in, that will really give you a nice balance to the babyface side especially with brock lesnar who is he is he a heel is he a babyface right now he's kind of a tweener on the flip side john c is not going to be around much on smackdown you can make a debate you can make a real good argument for for him to be the guy that gets slotted in there as one of the top baby faces i would love to see aj styles and shinsuke nakamura on my tv screen uh, every week it, it's it, it's a match that will just i think they can tell it differently every time so it's a little toss-up. Um, it just depends how things shake out. And uh, if everyone can stay healthy, and also, where does Triple H factor into all this? Because he's, he's, he's clearly going to be a focus. Now, is he going to be a focus after WrestleMania? A little bit. How long, I don't know.
1: Right. Yeah, it's, I mean, it seems like they're teasing a, a stable with Triple H, uh, Owens, and Samoa Joe, but I just don't know if Triple H is interested in becoming a, a TV character, at least a weekly TV character again.
3: He's got a full plate and then some, and so, um, but he's at all the TVs. So you know, one segment on TV out of the thirty seconds they have, I I don't think it's the end of the day for him. Uh, He'll do whatever's best for business, I guess, as they will say. But uh, I like the idea of the faction, and he's either he's either the end game of that equation, or you know, the hype guy that. You know, once in a while, get involved. But I think you can do a lot with that. A lot.
1: Yeah. And, and what do you think of how the buildup for Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton is? I think there's a, a wide spectrum of, of opinions on this. Interesting.
3: Um, that's a match that is such an odd match. There's just no... Bray Wyatt does a great job, gets a great reaction. They're both great wrestlers. But Randy Orton's promos feel ice cold. There's not that groundswelling support. When you watch him on SmackDown, you don't feel like a lot of I – mean, everyone pops stories for the RKO, but you don't feel like there's this real momentum behind him uh, as he chases the champion. You know when a babyface is chasing the title and the top heel, what it feels like. This doesn't have much behind. There's not much steam behind it for whatever reason.
1: Yeah. Someone's asking, Cor, what what do you see how the state of pro wrestling will be in the next three years? And do you see Triple H taking over WWE full-time?
3: Um. Yeah, that's going to happen. It's just a matter of you know when Vince decides to call it a day, and that day will probably be his last day on this earth because right. that's just how Vince is. He's kind of like the Sumner Redstone of, of pro wrestling. You know, look at Sumner Redstone and Viacom's relationship. You know, he's still fighting it out, even though he's uh, doesn't have all his, uh, he doesn't have it all together anymore in his mid nineties. Uh, the next three years of wrestling, you're going to probably see. A lot of trial and error when it comes to these companies coming up that offer streaming solutions, streaming subscriptions, and uh, there'll be some companies that really benefit from that. You no longer just have to wait for that 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 fairy dust from the network to make you into a big a big company. Uh, you now have streaming outlets, and it's still going to be a boutique product, but you're going to be a viable boutique product if you have something that's stable, if you have a good business model. New Japan world is one of those things where it has a, a healthy, small but healthy following in the United States. Over the next three years, if they can uh, have some synergy with Access TV, which is in 50, 60, 70 million homes, uh, and uh, build this out to have an English component, uh, they could have a very viable uh, one-two punch uh, with an OTT and with a network uh, or a cable network deal. And so I think they are best positioned to take advantage of uh, the opportunities that are going to be in play in the next four years. Ring of Honor is, you know, their destiny is determined by senior management, Joe Koff, and the powers that be above Joe Koff at Sinclair Broadcasting. I probably think they're not going to, I I think they're going to still be in the same position they are now, uh, based just on, you know, you look at how they've tracked under current leadership. And I I don't think they're going to do anything outrageous. They're risk-averse, and uh, they've been stable because of it. Uh, I think NXT is going to be an interesting one because, again, there's that balancing act. How do they play into the bigger picture? You know, they, they tried to tour Australia and New Zealand. They had to cancel some of those shows. Um, they do their best business when they piggyback off of WWE's big pay-per-views and come in on a Saturday or Friday. Uh, they they did okay on the first run of house shows last year, but softer on their second and third rounds to the market. So uh, it, they're going to be probably dependent on who's involved with the company, like any company. Uh, but uh, I think New Japan has probably the best opportunities and has the best potential to break out in the next three years here in the United States. Um, you know, it, some questions, I have some questions about sometimes being around in two or three years. I'm curious to see what impact is in two to three years. Uh, they, they're they in that restart face and so i don't want to judge them right now i'm curious to see how how they put it together i think it'd be great for wrestling if they can find a way to uh blow this thing up i just you know i saw the first show. i don't want to judge them on the first show i want to see where they are in six eight weeks and then you kind of know if this this dog can hunt um we'll see it's it's if you look at wrestling three four years ago and look where it's at today it's it's pretty radical and different from you know what we saw at the network versus where nxt is at new japan coming into the scene lucha underground kind of had a big splash and now has kind of been lost in the shuffle uh ring of honor is that old slow and steady process you know they never do anything too radical or sexy but when they do something they do it pretty correct so um it's interesting to see where the business
1: is headed yeah it does seem like um if you if you were to count wwe and nxt as two different brands you got wwe nxt and then you know kind of a, a big drop as far as in the u.s for the the battle for number three with kind of roh impact uh new japan on access um right. kind of all in this there's a lot going on with all of them right now but Uh, You know, again, New Japan obviously does a lot of viewers in in Japan, but uh, domestically, uh, it does seem like they got the most buzz of all those other groups kind of in that that situation right now, and they are going to start touring in the U.S. this summer.
3: They have big-time production. They have big-time announcing, even on Access, with Jim Ross Hall of Fame, with Josh Barnett, who does a great job and Mm -hmm. has worked for New Japan as a wrestler, is a former UFC heavyweight champion, very credible in that position. Uh, And they're in more households than anyone but WWE by virtue of their access TV deal. You add a second layer to that with their their OTT. New Japan World has a huge subscription base. It's the second – it's only second to WWE. It's a a big gap between first and second, but still, they're built to run. And if you look at the pay-per-view end – they had a really successful first show. It wasn't what I would say, you know, gangbusters, but they had they exceeded expectations by the pay-per-view company. So the pay-per-view companies look at them uh, in, in, in a good way, whereas other companies they're duds or they're they're they're, they're just not interested. So they, they have a lot of good faith and goodwill uh, from the fans to business partners, and their in, their intro product speaks for itself. But big production, big time announcing, uh, very polished production. And they're always top sellers. If you look at merchandise and other key metric, look at prowrestlingtees.com, look at some of their top sellers. It's Kenny Omega, it's new Japan gear. It's still bullet club stuff, young buck stuff. Um, That tells you a lot. These guys can draw money and I think they'll do very well in uh, their, their, their pursuit of the United States.
1: Yeah. We'll get one, one last question. Someone's asking if, if uh, we could ever see triple H versus Shane McMahon. Now you've, you know, obviously uh, seeing their relationship over the years. Um, You think, you think that's a match they would consider ever doing? Do you repeat that? Uh, Do you think uh, WWE would ever, or Triple H or Shane McMahon would ever consider doing a program together?
3: Oh yeah. Uh, You know, with Vince, it's whatever, you know, if he can make money with something, he'll do it. Um, But you know, right now they're on two different islands. And so they're, they're trying to keep things separate. You don't see the Raw versus SmackDown attraction at WrestleMania, and rightfully so. You want to establish these leagues, these brands as separate entities, and uh, you don't want to kind of mix and match too early. Uh, so I think they've, done, they've been very disciplined, and that's something that gets overlooked is they could have gone there for WrestleMania. They did not. Um, will they ever go to Shane versus Triple H? If there's a way to do it, Um, the other guys are getting younger. In fact, seeing Shane take that, you know, just that backstage brawl yesterday, he goes 110%, always has, always will. But it's like, oof, hard to see him sometimes take some of those shots.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, and here I'll, I'll ask you a question. Was, uh, working at wrestling Inc in the nineties, your best job. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. paid the best. (laughs) Nice. All right. Well, I know, uh, you know, we got an interview with Tony Schiavone up, uh, the the final part was posted yesterday. Great guy! It was such a fun interview. He's got the the new podcast at MLW. I guess it's 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 uh, seven episodes in now.
3: Yep, seven um, episodes in, and it's been great to have Tony reconnect with wrestling. He grew up like us, a huge wrestling fan, got to go into the business through the Crockett's, and you know, I, you know, if you have a rough patch on the job, at some point, but circumstances lead it to be the last impression maybe that you left the fans and it's it's i think it it it, it was a negative way for him to leave the business you know just it was tough for him the wcw was falling uh he even says he didn't care at a certain point but you don't want to be remembered for that and so for him to come back into the podcast and be really he's like I say he's like Bob Saggy. he's like the last guy you expect to drop all this crazy foul language uh, and he has a great sense of humor but he also has great insight from the Crockett days to his time at WWF to WCW during their, their, their peak uh, and so I think it's been able it's been great for him because it's, it's been it's allowed him to reconnect with the business and it's been very positive and uh, great job and that, that's a great show It drops every uh, Monday morning at 6:05 a.m. MLW com. It's a really fun show. And I've learned stuff about guys like Goldberg. I never knew DEP stuff. that just, I just, it's not out there. And Tony has some really unique insight and there's no politics politics for, for Tony. Cause he's not looking for a job. He works for the Braves down in Georgia and uh, you get that uncut uncensored take from someone that's been there for a long time.
1: Yeah. Well, great court. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, joining us again. And uh, where can f- people find you on, on Twitter? You can find me
3: on Twitter at court Bauer, C O U R T B A U E R. And I'm also on Instagram and uh, hope to see everyone out at Wale mania in 15 days, Thursday night, March 30th at tier nightclub, downtown Orlando. Wale will perform new Japan will be in the house. Uh, MVP will be in the house. Jim Ross will be in the house. Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster, talking old-school WCW, will be in the house. Um, the man behind WW Creative-ish, the parody account, he'll be in the house. Uh, Dave Meltzer. It's a who's who. We haven't even announced everyone yet. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Marty DeRosa will be there, Sarah Schottke. Um, it's a lot of fun, and a lot of surprises are coming your way if you go check it out. MLW.com. Tickets start just $15. It's a hell of a deal.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, man. So uh, Raj and I will be back Monday night with Mr. Matt Morgan to talk about Monday Night Raw. Raj, anything people should look for on the site before we take it
1: home? Uh, the, The final part of my interview with Josh Barnett will be coming up tomorrow. Tons of stuff, you know, WrestleMania season. It's just busy as hell right now. So keep checking us out.
0: Awesome. So until next time, everyone, I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and we'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care.